Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 361. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com, and with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. The Eagles of Philadelphia are now 7-1. and one. They have seven wins and one loss after their victory in Landover, Maryland over the Washington Commanders. Fun game, in my opinion. A little uh, frustrating for some Eagles fans, I think, uh, early on, particularly in the first quarter, um, and even, I guess, the whole first half, really. Uh, a lot to get to uh, in terms of that, and then also we are recording this at 2, it's right now, exactly 2.22 in the p.m. on Monday, which means that there are twenty, a little less than 26 hours left before the trade deadline, so we'll see if... The Eagles make a move maybe during this recording or in the next day or so. But before we get to our recap of the Eagles win over the Commanders, BLG, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? Well, Jimmy, RighteousFelon.com is the place to go. That's where you get your Righteous Felon craft jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles that are 7-1. and one. And uh, it's based in Westchester, PA. They use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef. They are committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. You can try all of the flavors. Uh, you know, there's the OG Hickory. There are the Baby Blues Barbecue, the Marilyn Monroe, uh, the, the Bourbon Franklin I like a lot. A lot of different flavor options to choose from. You go to RightToSellin.com and you use discount code BGN15. For 15% off your order, fast shipping, reliable, high quality, and as we often say, more like as I often say, the podcast is free. There's a lot of content out there, whether it's podcast or written content that is behind a paywall and everything. We don't do that. It's free if you want to help support us. And also, you get a bonus in the process of actually getting a product that you enjoy in addition to what we're producing, uh, helps us out. So RighteousSelling.com, discount code BGN for 15% off your order. My apologies for the background noise. There's a guy literally right outside my window with a leaf blower. Nice. <laughs> so so that's going on right now. Uh, that'll be over soon, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It doesn't seem that bad to me on my end. And I don't know how the listeners the are going to feel. And now the going by, it's well, chaos, uh, right, literally right outside my window. It's, it's chaos fall. This is part of the fall experience. <laughs> yeah. You got the, especially at this stage of the fall where it's still warm enough for the grass, you know, you have to cut the grass uh, and blow the leaves. Jimmy, 
I guess, why don't you mute your microphone for a sec, maybe, okay. while I get into my first point, right. so that way we can spare the listeners the noise while, uh, you know, it's going on in the background there. I'll start off with the positive, and I don't think you can start anywhere else but AJ freaking Brown. I mean, I, I think I come on the podcast every week and say, running out of creative things to say about him, or insightful, like, what is there really to say when there is a guy this good? who makes it look easy, who is the first wide receiver in NFL history to have at least 125 receiving yards in six straight games and showing no signs of slowing. Like, is anyone going to be surprised if he extends that streak? No, he's dominant. There were times in this game where I thought the commanders had great coverage on him and it didn't matter because he just made incredible plays, including on those two touchdown receptions that he had. Um, AJ Brown is unstoppable. He is, I think, very arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. I know Tyreek Hill has 75 more receiving yards than him, but I think AJ is like right up there. I think he should be in the MVP conversation as it currently is constituted. I'm not saying he's going to win that award, but like if we're talking about MVP as of week eight, I think he very much belongs in that conversation. Uh, AJ Brown's awesome. And I said I'm running out of things to say about him and then said a lot of good things about him, but. I don't know what else there is to say. Well, there hasn't been like a really super dominant quarterback so far this year from, Mm -hmm. from, you know, start from week one to now where we are in, in, there goes the lawnmower again. Sorry. (laughs) From week one to, you know, now week eight, Um, this was not, uh, we weren't, we did not have recorders live during this portion of the locker room. Uh, So this was, yeah, technically off the record, but I don't think Jason Whoa, Kelsey would mind breaking <laughs> would, would mind us saying he was kind of half joking. He's like AJ Brown is basically our offense right now, <laughs> so like, and he's not totally wrong. Like, uh, and Zach Berman uh, tweeted that out. Oh, so did he? I, okay, yeah. Oh, so there you all go. Right. Uh, not to blow up Zach's spot, but I mean, I did see that. Uh, you know, on the record. Okay, elsewhere. so he might have said that twice because I don't. I don't believe Zach was there when. Okay. Uh, Jason said that. I think it was me, McLean, and. Big flex Josh by you. Tolentino at that point. Or no, it was Sealski. Me, McLean, and Sealski were talking to Kelsey off the record. Uh, not off the record, but just casually. Um, anyway, um, yeah, he's basically like, yeah, he's our offense right now. So, you know, that's one way yeah. to put it. And the, the video, it's video game numbers <laughs> that he's put it up. It's crazy for six weeks. And yeah, I do think like there's, there there's, you know, maybe some consideration for him to, to be the MVP through the first half of the season, half-ish of the season. Um you mentioned Tyreek Hill also having a phenomenal year. Uh, I think it was Michael Irvin was saying he's not just the best receiver in the NFL, but the best player in the NFL. Yeah. That might be a little rich for my blood. Like he's not the best player. I don't know. But <laughs> like, where, how many players would you like? Where do you think he ranks? I'm not saying we have to go and sit through it, but is he like a top 20 player? Is oh yeah, top, I, oh no question. The way he's playing he top right 10 now, player? yeah, he's the top 10. The way he's playing right so, now, yes, he's a top 10 player. I'd put him top five even. Yeah, the way he's playing like right now. Um, right. Not to say that over and over again or whatever, but um, eight. Yeah, I mean the eight catches that he had for what was it? One thirty, you said, and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. One thirty-one, or yeah, on eight targets. So Jalen Hurts was perfect yep. when he threw AJ Brown's way. Also perfect, uh, by the way, when throwing to Devontae Smith, seven catches for ninety-nine yards and one touchdown to Devontae. One of them was not a reception. The Eagles were lucky that. Maybe we'll get to this in, in the next, you know, another bullet point. But we're lucky that Ron Rivera did not challenge what should have been an incomplete pass to Devontae Smith. Uh, but basically, when when Hertz 
through to either AJ Brown or Devontae Smith. He was 15 of 15 for 200 something yards. I guess it would be 229, I think, off the top of my head, for three touchdowns. So, uh, newsflash the Eagles have good receivers, and it's kind of crazy to think back to you know, you look back at just the trade that they make, and they go from Jalen Rager, who was, Mm -hmm. would you call him like a bottom 10 starter in the NFL when he was starting for the Eagles at wide receiver? to now sure. a top 10 player overall uh, in A.J. Brown. I think there was a at one point maybe a debate. I always felt that like the going from Rager to A.J. Brown was a bigger change than going from Jannard Avery to Hassan Reddick. I think that mm-hmm. there was like a, an actual debate on that, but I don't think there's a debate on that. And Hassan Reddick is an awesome player, obviously, too. <laughs> like you can't – like, but, but going from Rager to A.J. Brown – has just really transformed this offense, uh, you know, last year. And and the offense hasn't been great this year. I think it's been good. It hasn't been great. But it would be a lot less than great if they didn't have A.J. Brown right now. And I don't think there's, like, you don't need to knock them for, like, oh, they can only function when they throw to A.J. Brown. That's not, like, uh, that's not a knock. That's fine. He's part of the, part of the team. He's on the team. <laughs> if he can't stop it, good. Right. Keep doing it. Uh, it's not like, you know, some other player is suffering and the offense is suffering. There's an opportunity cost here. You're maximizing your plays. AJ Brown, last thing I guess I'll say on him is he's just, where's the hole in his game? It's kind of like when we talk about Dallas Goddard, what is he not good at? Nothing. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything that he's not good at. Maybe there's an area like you can say like slightly, but like, no, he's honestly great. And there's no yeah, he hole wins at all three levels. He, he, you can throw short to him and he'll break tackles and, mm-hmm. and get first downs. You can hit him in the intermediate areas, uh, of, like in the middle of the field. And he's a deep threat, very clearly. So, and, and you mentioned like, you know, there was good coverage on some of the, like that, yeah. the, 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 the one-handed catch for the touchdown. I mean, <laughs> if you're, if you're Benjamin St. Juiced, who had fantastic coverage mm-hmm. on that play, first of all, it's a great throw by Hertz. Like Hertz put yeah. it in a spot where like, St. Juice couldn't, there's nothing he could do only AJ where could it was, it. Yep. and only AJ could get it, and it was unlikely, like, that throw, is, it's unlikely that AJ's going to be able to make a play the like the play that he did, particularly with the coverage that St. Juice had on that play, and he still makes the play for a touchdown. I remember watching, like, so watching that, that the press box vantage point, there's the leaf blower again, the, <laughs> like, the press box vantage point on that play, it's like the total opposite other end, you know, of the field, we were all like, no way he got both feet in. No way. And then, like, when they showed the replay, very clearly he got both feet in mm-hmm. and then also both knees in. Like, it wasn't even close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just a phenomenal play that he made there. And, and like, these like these video game numbers that we mentioned that he's putting up, he's also doing it in style. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. he's making these absurd catches uh, week in and week out consistently. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are fortunate that, that the Titans lost their minds and traded him for a first-round pick. Last thing on him for me, very last thing, is that, like, I, I, want, I want to go back to Unstoppable. Like, I don't – there's no way – you don't defend him. Like, what do you do? Like, you just put two people on him? I don't think that's – there's nothing. I don't think – Well, you like, can't because the, uh, the Eagles offense is so good otherwise, too. Even if you do, I just don't know. Like, he – you know, there's two people in the area on that one – that second touchdown yeah. catch where he makes that leaping catch. Like, you can have extra defenders over his way. I just – he's getting the ball. It's not – It's not. I think your your best hope with stopping him is just, like – luck at the catch point or something or hope that he drops the ball which you know he's had some drops in the past but not like a big issue it's just every receiver has drops so 
Uh, what's your biggest takeaway? Uh, well, that was, but, <laughs> but, uh, number two it. would be Jalen Hurts was phenomenal too. I mean, mm. you look at his numbers, 29 of 38, 76%, 319 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, pass rating of 135.7. And it's on a day where he had a bum knee, like it was revealed by, I think it was Jake Lazier before yep. the game said it was a bone bruise, by the way, if you're, if you're the Eagles, you can't just say it's a bone bruise. <laughs> really? Like, you, like you can't just say like what the injury is, whatever. Uh, don't want to get into the whole thing on that, but you know, clearly hampered only carried the ball four times for six yards in this game. And he won from the pocket, which, you know, I don't really care about where he wins from. If he's winning by running with the ball or if he's getting outside the pocket and making plays down the field, or if he's winning from the pocket, you know, what it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, but I think when he shows that he can win from the pocket, I think what that, but what that kind of says is he's got longevity. So if, so at somewhere along the line, he loses his ability to run as many, you know, quarterbacks that have that ability. They do lose over time when they get older. He can transition into a quarterback that can just win from the pocket because uh, he showed that on Sunday. He showed it in other games, too. But this was a great example of a game where he was, I don't want to say confined to the pocket, but uh, he hung in there for most of the day. And just delivered mostly strikes. And there, obviously, you know, some players made some plays for him on, on maybe some off target, like the mm-hmm. Julio Jones catch in the end zone. That wasn't a that wasn't a very good throw. It was behind him. Julio Jones mm-hmm. reaches back, <laughs> grabs it, gets popped, like took a absorbed a big hit. Is able to you know haul that in for a touchdown. But uh, overall, really really good day from Jalen Hurts. His best performance of the season by far. I would disagree on the Julio one a little bit. I mean, I know the perf- placement isn't perfect, but he got that out so quick. And I think there's something to be said, okay. you know, for like defense can't. Yeah, a little behind, but it's out so quick. The defense doesn't have time to really track it. Fair. Um, and AJ has, or Julio has the advantage there. But uh, on the whole, just to, to go through Jalen Hurts's like some of these numbers, some of the numbers in this game and how they rank up to games in his career. I mean, this was his sixth best completion percentage. It was tied for his uh, highest yards out passing yards output, uh, adjusted yards per attempt, which is a pro football reference metric. He was fifth in that category, uh, tied for first in touchdown passes with four and second in pass rating, uh, 135.7 based on EPA per pass play per our good friend, Shokapadia. It was the best passing game of Jalen Hurts' career. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of good numbers. And I think, I guess, uh, also on the mobility real quick, even though he only finished with what, like four rushes for six yards. He did have that seven yard scramble on third and seven on the Eagles uh, field goal drive, their first points of the game. So he still like used his legs in a key spot in that game, even though it wasn't a big rushing day for him. So, you know, even when he's not able to help really in a big way there, it's still more than 0%, none at all. And uh, I think the reality of a given season, especially when you're a better team, there are going to be games where your defense doesn't help you out. Sometimes it will, like it very much did in the Jets game, and the Eagles you know, didn't capitalize on that, and it obviously did against the Dolphins. There's going to be times where you're going to get in a shootout, and you can't rely on the defense, and you just need your quarterback to be the better quarterback that day and win, and win in a shootout, and continue to put up points, and that's what Jalen Hurts did, did yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, he won and that's a really encouraging. Yeah. That's a really encouraging sign moving forward because they're going to probably they might need to win some shootouts in these very tough games that are coming up. And it's nice to know that you have a quarterback 
who is getting paid the big bucks, who can go toe to toe with these top players. Not that Sam Howell is a top player, but he was playing like a top player mm-hmm. and uh, outperform them and win in the shootout. Okay. So I have for Hertz. What, what's your next thing? Uh, I think I don't have anything else. He did turn the ball over. So not great. I know that uh, you're not really worried about him suddenly doing that a ton on the brotherly shove because that play has basically been unstoppable for them. But zooming out, it is his uh, 12th turnover in the last nine games. So that's not great and really needs to stop happening. But outside of that, he played a really clean game, and it was encouraging to see. I'm going to go on to Hassan Reddick, who... It's my mom's favorite just, player, by the way. My mom texts really? my mom texts me. Interesting. Like, I mean, three different times this season, she's texted me at the end because he's closed three the first the first Commanders game. He basically closed that game out, not closed it out, yep. but uh, had huge plays well, down the, the offense, stretch. Yeah, Jake Elliott closed did out their that job. Game. <laughs> Jake Elliott closed that game out, but Hassan Reddick made huge plays down the stretch in that game. He closed out the Rams game, mm-hmm. and then he closed out this game more or less. And my mom sends me a text every time saying, uh, "It's my guy Hassan," and she was like. Uh, tell him that I said good job, <laughs> and I did. I did tell him after the game. My mom. Said, what did he say? <laughs> he laughed and he said, "He said tell her." I said, "Thank you." Uh, That's nice. <laughs> but yeah, my mom. My mom said, "Tell him that I said he." He's you know he's he. Well, it's my mom's favorite play. Actually, my mom has two favorite players. It's uh, Hassan mm. Raddick and uh, I just mentioned the other guy, Jake Elliott. Those are two favorite players. Okay. So uh, yeah, she asked me to tell him that she, that that he did a great job, and so I did. I think Reddick doesn't get as much love as he deserves in many respects, but um, yeah, he was awesome in this game. He had, first of all, I'll start with the intentional grounding, which yeah, should have been a sack. Out of you know, a sack yes. He did. And that was at a big point in the game because that's the, the Eagles forced a punt there. And then they were able to score a touchdown on that very next drive to tie the game at 17 to 17. So that was like a, it wasn't like, you know, clutch end the game, but it was like crucial point in the game. Uh, it was right after the Eagles had that turnover at the the one yard line, so you know he, the, he Reddick helped prevent you know the commander some capitalizing on that and got the Eagles the ball back. So that was really big, and yeah, I mean he had the sack on fourth and five towards the end of the game where he comes through, strip sack Sam Howell. Of course the commanders recover, but turnover on downs, and and that was huge and hard to believe because he got off to a slow start this year, but. Through eight games last year, he was at five and a half sacks, eight quarterback hits, five TFLs. This year, he's at six and a half sacks, 10 quarterback hits, and seven TFLs. So he's been even better despite that slow start. And again, he could really be at seven and a half sacks if he didn't get robbed of that one here. So, (laughs) I mean, he's been awesome. I can't, I I really feel like they're going to renegotiate his contract after the season because he's going into a contract year anyway in 2024. Uh, and he deserves it because he's been elite. He's been an elite edge rusher defender for this team. And man, like it's hard to not like these, these sacks happening at such crucial times. There's like a, there's a, I wish they almost counted more for him because there's so much value yeah. in, in making those plays in those moments. And, uh, and that's huge. Yeah. We were asking him why, like he, did he have any, you know, obviously he's not playing harder at the end of the game than he is earlier in the game but I think there's something to be said for his stamina and his motor where you know other guys will tire out maybe toward the end of games and he doesn't and he's you know gives him a little bit more of an edge uh, against whatever 
right tackle he's facing at that you know at that point in the game. Uh, but the other thing too I'll note about him is like he has plenty of wins where he just wrecks whoever he's whoever's trying to block him. But there are other times where like he will get like just either if he's getting himself free or if he just is free and it's just him and the quarterback. And there's so many times where you see quarterbacks get away from the defender in those situations. And with him, never. Like if he's got, yeah. if it's just him and the quarterback, that quarterback is either going to throw the ball away or he's going down. Like they're not, they're not going to get around him and like extend the play and make a play down the field. If it's him and the quarterback, they're done. So he's been very good at that. And the other thing to say about like that, the, you know, sack stats, which is weird to me is you don't get credit for, you know, he, I mean, he had, he was throwing Hal to the ground as Hal threw mm-hmm. it basically at his offensive lineman. You don't get a credit for that. But if a quarterback is running toward the yeah. sideline and they run out of bounds, they'll just give that sack to whoever is closest to him on the field. You don't even have to touch them. They'll get, they'll just give like, it'll be like a cornerback or a linebacker or whatever. Whoever somebody's chasing them out of bounds. That and can also be like for that. It can also be like half a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. Like it's like almost right at the line of yes. scrimmage. It's not even like a really a loss on the play. <laughs> yeah, like Jalen Hurst will have like a like little slide like right before the line of scrimmage. And right. whoever's right. near him will get credit for that sack. So weird that you don't get credit for a sack when basically you force the intentional grounding uh, on the play. And he, you know, for these, for these guys, like it doesn't matter in terms of wins and losses for the team. It's the same result, like intentional mm-hmm. grounding. You're, you're like, you're, you're they get the it's a loss of down and then they get the ball at that spot wherever that is but for these guys like to miss out on that sack they're getting paid on that like they're like their agents pointing out oh he had x number of sacks and if there's one or two or three fewer it doesn't look as good and you don't get as much money yeah. so uh they I mean it's very mean he was he was like very seriously not thrilled in the locker room after sure. the game about you know not getting credit for that sack because he would have seven and a half right now instead of 6.5 I think he's talked about wanting to get to twenty, right? Uh huh. I mean, obviously, why wouldn't he? But like, and he was almost there last year. Like, that's a that's a big deal. And that's fine to be motivated 20. by stats too. I think like I, I, it might seem like selfish to be, you know, to thinking about stats or whatever. But I don't see it that way. I think uh, no, this isn't Jason Babin. We're yeah, talking yeah, about. right. It's like he, hunting sacks. Exactly. Like he's not. In, yeah, he's not like just going after sacks and and you know avoiding his other responsibilities against the run or whatever else yeah he also played a lot of snaps in this game so he played i think 59 yep. was it or 50 he and he and josh sweat were right around 60 i forget the exact number um Derek barnett only played i think like around 10 um <laughs> nolan smith played like three or four and mm-hmm. i think bg only played like 14 or 15 so uh, I think the Eagles defensive staff isn't really trusting the other guys, maybe like mm. they did earlier in the season. Cause for them to play almost six, like they're they're I think sweat was averaging 44 per game heading into this game. And Reddick was averaging like 43. So we talked about the trade deadline earlier. Like I do kind of wonder if they might deal for just a backup edge defender. Mm. Um, even if they're not like a great pass rush, just the guy that can give them snaps instead of, Risking putting <laughs> Derek Barnett, who, by the way, almost got another penalty in this game. Uh, I can't believe he didn't get called for that. I thought, he, I mean, I, I mean, on the replay, it looked like okay, but live, it looked worse. Oh, because actually, I think we might be talking about different plays. Is this where, oh. like, the, on the slide where he went? Yeah, and he, no, that was it. And it was he missed the quarterback, and it was actually friendly fire. He hit hmm. one of the Eagles players, but there was also a play after uh, a field goal attempt or a PAT. 
where he was getting into it after the play, and I think they could have thrown a flag on him. That just get get him out. Get get get. What, is, what are they doing? Get rid of him. And I think they they could. I think they could trade for an edge defender. We'll see. I have a Derek Barnett stat for you. I do that every uh, week here. I update it. It's been like <laughs> so. It's the last seventeen games, which is a full regular season. Is this, now is this in your with- snap count post? It is. Okay. I do it every week. I just copy and paste and update it because it's <laughs> it's relevant. Yeah. Uh, he's now at six games this year where he's not logged a stat out of eight games played. He's up to, in 17 games, which is a full regular season now, as I said, he only has one sack and four quarterback Oof. hits in that span. And if we're going to this season, if you look at where Barnett has played, I'm pulling it up here, Barnett has played... 99 snaps. He has three tackles, zero quarterback hits, and one TFL. Nolan Smith has four tackles, two quarterback hits, and one uh, TFL and a sack. Yeah. uh, Obviously, in 47 snaps. So almost 50 fewer snaps. He's been more productive. I know Nolan Smith has kind of had some issues this year, but, and they kind of play different roles a little bit. Derek Barnett being more of like a designated run defender. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, not. Not great. Okay. Why don't we take a break here? We have a lot more to get into, but we should pause for a second. Uh, Jimmy, we will be back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Right to Sell on Craft Jerky, uh, BGN15 at rightttosellon.com, BGN Radio brought to you by that, but also based in Westchester, none other than Wrong Crowd Beer Company, wrongcrowdbeer.com. Jimmy, where do you go? To get wrong crowd beer, I, I mean, said you it, can but... just go wherever you buy your beer, and if they right. they should have it, and if they don't, ask them why not, and say, "Yo, get that in there." Uh, but they're also in Westchester, and very fun town, in my opinion. And stop in, have some food, have some beer. Really good people there. Um, tasty food, as far as I understand. <laughs> like we we did the live show there. A bunch of our friends had food. They said it was very good. Uh, we've sampled, of course, many of their beers and I like all of them. I like particularly the Oktoberfest is my favorite. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, by all means order up and actually what was the, uh, uh, what was the name of our guy that, uh, that, that tweeted at us? Uh, he, he, the picture of the, 
yeah my favorite item there that well i i want to try the jalapeno no 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 the guy that he he uh he he got he bought the beer online and and, uh tweeted the picture we the the twitter handle there i think i'm not i forget the name i I had my apologies but my yeah way to make us look like ungrateful (laughs) people for not even remembering (laughs) but uh, i will say you know who you are in addition to the (laughs) Oktoberfest, jimmy they also have of course the qb factory which uh is relevant and has a certain number one jersey on the cover of that so Mm -hmm. you know kind of thematic here not a bad time to kind of have that one i would say all right all right, my next thing, uh, Ron Rivera. God bless that man if you're an Eagles fan. <laughs> because, holy crap, how do you not go for two when you have a chance to put the Eagles away week four? Uh, instead, you go to overtime, and of course you lose. And then in this game, wh- I mean, what are you thinking? Not challenging that Devontae Smith non-catch uh, that I alluded to earlier. So a- after that play, I don't know if they showed this on the telecast, but... The entire commander's sideline was emphatically signaling incomplete and not in a way, in my opinion, where, you know, you just do that automatically when, you you know, because like the bad guys made the catch and you're saying incomplete and it was close. I mean, they were were emphatically signaling it like they saw that it was Mm -hmm. incomplete. And then the Eagles are running up to the line to, you know, to, to get the next playoff and like it's that was a fourth down play that they just converted. Yeah. So if you challenge it and you win, it's a turnover. <laughs> I don't like there are so many plays that are challenged automatically these days. They challenge all scoring plays, they challenge all turnovers. They like they mm-hmm. they just go right to the sky booth, the sky rep, whatever they call it. If there's like a, mm-hmm. a, an obviously missed call, they'll just radio down and say, "No, you got that wrong," and they'll fix it on the spot. You don't have to challenge it. Do teams ever even run out of challenges anymore? What are no. you saving them for? Because you're you're like you're saving the timeout. Like is that is that the reason you don't challenge it? It <laughs> is insane that they did not challenge that play. Yeah, and of course we have the benefit of like seeing the replay, and I guess they didn't. But who cares if you don't have vi- you know video confirmation? Like if you have no confirmation whatsoever, just challenge it. Like he made because in it's such a crazy high leverage situation, and they let it yeah. go. By the way, it's funny. Like the Eagles on that play, they didn't even run a play. Like the yeah. the receivers were just kind of doing whatever, and Hertz didn't know what to do with the ball. And I forget even what happened on that play. Didn't he just kind of like throw just, it away? He ended up throwing it away, but he he like he dropped back. He looked like <laughs> see like well, is anyone maybe open or like maybe someone's open here? And like no, no. And I, I think, think he also wasn't sure if it. like it was challenged in time. I like I think he just expected right. it to get challenged, and it, then it it didn't, and then that play counted. And holy crap! Like if Ron Rivera doesn't make these two just horrendous gaffes, mm-hmm. the Eagles probably aren't seven and one right now. Mm. It's definitely a fair concern. <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean I can't I can't I, I think it's possible they that, could be. that Smith w- was not overturned because I don't I think they could say maybe it's not a hundred percent. I did think also I lean I lean towards it being incomplete. Oh that was maybe like, uh, they would have lost in, the in my mind that was clearly I know. that hit the ground. Yeah, we disagree yeah. on that. I, okay. I mean I think it did. I lean towards that. I wouldn't say like a hundred percent. I'm probably at like you know ninety eight percent. Uh I need to see it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera is obviously not a great head coach, but you know who is apparently a good coach, at least when he plays, they play the Eagles, 
is Eric Bieniemy yeah. because he's clearly had Sean Desai's number in these two games this year. The combo of him and Sam Howell, who, I mean, it's like it's just so ridiculous to me that I know the NFL is a week to week league, and you can't. It's not like you can't just transfer everything over. But how does this Eagles defense, which allowed just ten points to the Dolphins, <laughs> right? Can, <laughs> and let's just say 17 because let's you know Tyree Hill dropped that touchdown even so whatever it's still like incredible and only like 200 and something yards how do the Eagles do that one week and then the next week uh against like a commander's offense that only scored seven points and that was on a short field assisted by a muff punt against the Giants against and only put up like ass giant Giants <laughs> 200 and something yards against that team well, how do they almost allow like 500 yards and 31 points to this commander's team? Like, it blows my mind. I I know there's like, oh, the Eagles have had trouble with the commanders recently. There's some truth to that. But again, they, they also blew out the commanders last year in that first game when Carson Wentz was Yeah, that was playing. almost a shutout. Uh, and they sacked yes. him nine times in that game. Uh, they got a garbage touchdown really late. And I got this 24-7 was the final of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in addition to the almost 500 yards that you mentioned, they gave up 26 first downs. Uh, they held on the ball for 32 minutes, which isn't a huge disparity in time of possession. But when the Eagles are, you know, the number one time of possession team in the NFL, and they also yep. were humming on offense and getting first downs in their own right, like you, like you wouldn't expect the other team to win the time of possession battle and buy four minutes at that. So like, yeah, I mean, the, the defense really had, uh, they were resilient. They had a bad day initially, sort of, and then sort of, and then Reed makes the big interception, and then uh, they get the two turnover on downs thereafter late in the game, uh, and then they gave up. I, I wouldn't call it totally a garbage time touchdown because it did, you know, make you know some little angst on the uh, onside it was a kick prevent defense <laughs> yeah. touchdown. Yeah, uh, but they still got down the field very quickly and scored like no problem. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, the, the defense did kind of, you know, tighten up, I guess, at, at the end of the game and play better, but like not even t- like sort of, I mean, but Terry McLaurin drops those two passes, which were just True. terrible throws True. by Howell. And even open. so yeah. if, you know, he should at least make one of those two. Okay. Maybe he doesn't make both. He should at least make one of those. And that had nothing to do with the Eagles. He was open on those. Um, I mean, maybe you could say on the one, Howell had to run out and throw on the move. So maybe the pressure, you know, kind of affected him in terms of having to make him throw on the move, but man, uh, 107.2 passer rating against the Eagles in two games against them, Sam Howell. And then against everyone else, 82.7. <laughs> That's just, yeah, it's so bizarre. Uh, and it's also crazy because a big issue for him this year has been holding on to the ball. That's why that's a part of why the commanders have allowed the most sacks in the league. Part of it's the offensive line, but part of it's him. And apparently against the Eagles, he can just get rid of it instantly to like, that's the, that's the weird thing to me too. It's not only he was getting rid of it quickly. He's getting it rid of it quickly to like wide open people. Well, he can't, it can't be like, what's going on here? How, like, how is he getting it rid of it quickly? And they're just wide open. You know, at some point it feels like you would want to challenge him more. Uh, I will give them credit. As you mentioned, the Eagles ultimately came up with uh, three fourth down stops. Mm-hmm. So that's important. They came up with a takeaway. It wasn't all bad. Uh, and I think Sean Desai has done good things this season. I'm not out on Sean Desai all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, I mean, had three really good games before this game. So, And I think part of it's on the players. Yeah. I don't think like the players totally lived up to their end. Sure. Uh, but 
I mean, Reed, Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown like both took uh, accountability for the way they played. They they were both kind of on. I mean, not not Sidney as much as Reed, uh, but Reed Blankenship was really upset in the locker room with the way he played, saying like, I mean, he even got asked like, well, what plays are you upset about? And he's like, take your pick. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like uh, I gave up a touchdown and mm-hmm. he was referring to getting beaten by Logan Thomas uh, in the red zone. And then he was like, I just had bad eyes. I had bad leverage in this game. Um, you know, great. I made a play. I made an interception, but I got to get better and, and, you know, and come back and play better in the next game. Whereas other players, like they might go, yay, I got an interception. Wee! good game for me. <laughs> But, you know, he took accountability, which you like to see out of a young player. And I think that's good. And then Sidney Brown, um, you know, I think he felt like he got better as the game went along. And he's Mm. he's put in a tough situation because he's a rookie safety and you just throw him into the slot. Like playing slot corner is not easy in the NFL. I mean, anywhere, but in the NFL, like it's it's a hard position to play, especially if you haven't played it all that much. And they just throw him to the fire and he gave mm-hmm. up. He was responsible for the touchdown to Jahan Dotson where Dotson just got wide ass open in the end zone. And, you know, he took that on him. He said, I effed up and mm-hmm. I got to get better. And, you know, I'll learn from the, from, from that. And, you know, I thought I, I played better as the game went on, but you know, it's good to see these two young safeties uh, take about, take accountability for, for some of the mistakes they played and, and realizing that, you know, they have, there's things to work on. And Reed's been such a good player this year yes. that, you know, you can't really, like, crush him. Sure. I also I think it's fair to acknowledge it's his first game back from an injury. You know, so there's, you know, could be, like, some movement restrictions there. He looked a little, like, slow or not as, uh, like, totally full movement as he usually does. I think that could be part of it as mm-hmm. well. So I'm willing to give him a bit of a pass. He, I mean, still did make a big play, even if it was a bad throw. He caught the ball, which is more than some players can do. Um, and he set the Eagles offense up with the go ahead touchdown at that point. So, yeah, I think, you know, even though it wasn't a good day for Reed, I still think he deserves some credit. And I did see that interview that was they aired that. Oh, on, did they? Okay. Um, NBC Sports Philly after the game. And and it was kind of surprising to me, not from like his, knowing not from like his context of who he is, but just as a general thing, like you talked about, like a lot of players would be solely down on themselves. Oh, he was bummed out after the, I mean, he was, he was bummed out with the way that he played, (laughs) which again, you don't, you don't often see when a guy has a, has an interception. (laughs) He's got a nice, he's got a nice stat to bring home, but, and, and, you know, game ball from, from, from the, you know, the pick. Yeah. Yeah. He was bummed out with the way he played, but he took accountability and uh, that's, what's important. I'll give them another excuse too, by the way. So like, remember the 2020 season where they had like, I think 13 or 14 different offensive line combinations yes. throughout the season. Well, they have had eight different yeah. combinations in eight games uh, in, you know, in the five, in the starting five secondary spots. And by that, I mean, CB one, CB two slot corner and the two safeties. Mm-hmm. So they've had a different arrangement in every single game. Not, not one. I mean, I don't even yeah. mean like not two, like not even just two times in a row. I mean, not one they haven't like they haven't had a dupe like they they haven't had, like had like the same combination like week two and then like week seven for example they've been eight totally different combinations in you know each game and there's something to be said maybe not as much on the offensive line for you know that that level of um uh what's the word I'm looking for cohesiveness continuity continuity yep uh, it's not as important as the offensive line per se but. There's something said for uh, continuity in the in the secondary for sure. There's a lot of communication going on back there, and a lot of new faces in terms of trade signing guys. 
um, and guys getting hurt. Of course, they've had a lot of injuries in the, in, on the back end. So, you know, you'd expect that at some point they'll find a rotation that is able to stay on the field, uh, both health wise and kind of figuring out who the best five are to put on the field. And we'll see if they, again, like if they make more moves at the trade deadline here, but uh, when you have eight different combinations, it's difficult to kind of get into a groove uh, from, mm-hmm. from a secondary standpoint. And so I, you know, I think that's kind of working against them as well. And also kind of points to the job that Sean Desai has done, right. sort of uh, working through those issues and, and coming up with competent schemes week in and week out, maybe not in the yeah, same scheme, gonna... but, but overall. I was going to say that's definitely a point in Sean, Defi- Sean Desai's defense, especially as it relates to their previous defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. He didn't have to deal with that last year. I mean, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, Marcus Epps, they, I mean, CJGJ missed some games there, but yeah. like, what, like four weeks or three or four weeks? Marcus Epps was pretty, I think, didn't even like miss a snap almost all year, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, yeah, Slay, Slay and Bradbury. Bradbury. I mean, they, they've had really good cornerback health luck the last few years. Because Maddox we we always we always talked out. about how like um, Zach McPherson never got a chance to get in the games because yep. the, the the starters always stayed healthy. So yeah, they're they're not used to this lack of continuity on the back end. Maddox was in and out, but he still gave you like half of a season, yep. a little bit more than that, and we include the playoffs. So you would still take that. Not only are they using different starters, like you mentioned there, but they're also like you know rotating guys because they don't necessarily have great fill in options. So it's not only just like, oh, different starters each week. It's different starters. And then baked into that is they're rotating like, you know, Eli Rickson and Sidney Brown in and and playing players out of position like they did with James Bradbury playing in the slot and now Sidney Brown playing in the slot. So there's been a lot of moving pieces there. Some of that, you know, is Sean Desai's choosing. So it's not like, you know, he has to do that. But um, in some cases, it's the best option on Sidney Brown. And I want to lump N'Kobe Dean in here, too. I think the book on them so far is that they can play run defense. And in the Kobe's case, he had uh, two pressures in this game, including one on the same rep where Jalen Carter created pressure up the middle and prevented a deep touchdown to Byron Pringle. Ultimately he was wide open. Uh, At the same time, you kind of worry or you kind of wonder about the pass coverage element. And, you know, Sidney Brown's a rookie and playing out of position. The Kobe Dean, is essentially in his rookie season as far as defensive playing time goes. He was targeted, according to PFF's charting, uh, eight times in this game. He allowed eight receptions, Ooh. I believe, for over 80 yards. Mm. Not great. And I like that was the eye test, too. I kept seeing, like, there was, there was one point in the game, too, where they threw, like, right at N'Kobe's guy back-to-back plays. And um, not great. Yeah, I think Nicholas Morrow has been better. Like, even in this game, like, there was one play where... I don't think they were in like a Tampa two defense, but it, like the same kind of concept where like the, the linebacker is just running straight down the field in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And he was covering Logan Thomas. He was right on him like glue. And that wound up yep. being an incomplete pass in a pretty big moment. So um, yeah, I think Morrow certainly has been better. Maybe not, I don't know as a run defender, but in, in coverage, I think he's been better than, than Nicobe. My concern with Nicobe is that like, and it's too early to say this definitively, but my concern is that if he doesn't improve, then he's kind of just like a two down linebacker and uh, isn't really giving you, you know, a lot of coverage ability. On that note, the Eagles are reportedly sniffing around the linebacker market when it comes to the NFL trade deadline, and that report is from Diana Rossini, who was the same person who reported that they were looking into safety options like a day or two before they traded for Kevin Byard. So that feels worth noting. Yeah, and I'll I'll make a point here too. Like, I think some people might go, well, no, like – 
excuse my language, no shit. If, of course, they're they're going to be trading for for a safety. But Diana, you know, like and any national reporter, just generally speaking, isn't going to know the like the the needs of all 32 teams like right off the top of my head right off the top of their head like they're not looking at mm-hmm. the eagles roster and saying oh they need a safety that's like info that they're getting and yeah. they're reporting it so i trust that this linebacker uh report isn't just you know it, that's legit info that she has gotten uh so i would take that report very seriously i would look into a jordan Hicks trade i like jordan Hicks a lot when he was here, he a little on the older side, and he's had some injury issues in the past. Has been durable since, oddly enough, after the Eagles mm-hmm. moved on for him. Um, I mean, I know you mentioned. Uh, I'm not trying to spoil the entirety of your Philly Voice no, article. Read the whole away. thing. It's all good. I don't no. Click on it. Don't look, say every name. <laughs> but one of the the top name you have on there is Zaire Franklin. You know, uh-huh. Philly native. The Eagles love getting players from the Philly area. Uh, I think there's. I think sense. there's an advantage to that too. By the way, so like in the case of Bayard. Uh, who's, you know, who has Philly roots. And, you know, if you bring in like Isaiah Franklin, for example, I didn't write anything about this, but um, just kind of off the top of my head here, like maybe there's a better chance of signing them to a team friendly ish kind of deal Mm -hmm. as opposed to if they got, you know, traded to, I don't know, Green Bay or wherever, wherever, like maybe it's harder for the, for teams like that to retain a guy where, you know, as opposed to where they actually grew up. Uh, All right. Any, Thing else before we get to a break yeah uh i'll bring this up because i mean i know it's your it's your whole sh- it's your whole spiel but i'll, bring, I'll bring it up <laughs> kenny game well, it wasn't me i'm not the <laughs> one who brought it up i'll do you a favor it's like uh uh i used to referee basketball with my buddy rich and uh a kid threw a basketball at his head and he, like, <laughs> and he was waiting for me to tee up the kid, whereas I was like just watching Rich saying, "Were you gonna tee that kid up or what?" Like I was letting him tee him up, mm. uh, but he was waiting for me to tee him up so like he w- didn't have to be like the bad guy again. Like mm. after after making a bad call and then also getting a ball thrown at his head, like oh well, now I got to tee him up too. He was waiting for me to tee him up, so like I'm kind of I feel like I'm uh, helping you out. You've been uh, riding mm. Kenny Gainwell. <laughs> I mean, since week all one, season. since week one, all season you bring him up. <laughs> so I gave him, him eighteen touches and to fa- the Yonashifts too. Fairly, you know, fairly have been, you know, not not even like criticizing Kenny Gainwell necessarily, but just the usage of him by it's this both by the coaching staff, both for sure. But like, yeah, I think more so. Why do you keep using him in these high leverage situations? And then, of course, in this game. <laughs> I mean, you have you have AJ Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Julio Jones now who's making plays in the end zone. You have Dallas Goddard, like you have De- DeAndre Swift. Why are you giving the ball to to Kenny Gay? It's insane. And sure enough, he fumbles. By the way, second time he's was it was the first one in the, in the red zone too when he fumbled earlier this year. It was like right around the Eagles recovered it, so it wasn't a turnover. But he fumbled, and the Eagles were fortunate to get it back. And then he fumbles in this game, of course, and they don't get it back. Huge play. I mean, the Eagles fumbled twice inside the commander's five-yard line, which is not ideal. And, and they lost them both. They're lucky to have won this game because you don't often do that and win games. Mm. And, I mean, he's not only just not giving you production in the red zone, but now he's actively hurting the team by fumbling now twice uh, down, in, at least in that area. And... uh you mentioned that, and I did too, but I think you got into a little bit more than I did. The snaps are actually decreasing a bit. So they what do you are. get? 16 in this game, which was a season low. 
It's like thirty-ish um, percent each of the last two weeks, which it, it continues. It's gone down, so maybe they're realizing that a little bit. It seemed to go down in this game. Like he only had two carries. He didn't get a carry. I don't think after he had the fumble, he was still involved in the offense. And look, here's the thing: like Kenny Gainwell, I'm not saying he can never be on the field. I think he's their best pass protecting back, which I also don't think is saying a whole lot. Yeah, I don't think he's like amazing at that, but he's their best option. So I get him being out there at some points. And I think he actually had, what, like six receptions or five receptions for 30 yards in this game as a dump-off option? Sure. sure. He can do that. Yeah. That's fine. Don't doesn't need to be in the red zone. Should never be in the red zone. <laughs> yeah. This year, uh, shout out to BGN alumnus and our good friend Brent Cohen, Kenny Gainwell, 17 red zone carries. Four of those 17 have resulted in positive EPA. DeAndre Swift, 18 carries, one more than Kenny Gainwell. 11 have resulted in positive EPA. That Gainwell fumble was his second carry of the game. At that point, DeAndre Swift only had one carry in the game. Like, this isn't a matter of, well, we need to, you know, save. I, I'm, I totally am on board with you can't run DeAndre Swift into the ground. I am totally on board with that. That does not mean you have to insert Kenny Gainwell insanely in high leverage situations. Yeah. Boston Scott's on the roster. Boston Scott has like a ton of touchdowns relative to, you know, few carries in his career. Like mm-hmm. he's been a fine red zone running back sure. before. Why can't he play at all? Like put him, I'm not even saying give him all of Kenny Gainwell's touches. Like mix him in a little bit. Kenny, uh, Boston Scott had like three touches for, I forget, something. He was fine, whatever. He 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 was productive, like re- in three touches against the Jets, he was like totally fine, relatively productive, wasn't a waste of carries at all. Since then, He's played one offensive snap and has zero touches. Why? Like, why did he just get phased out entirely? Like, what is the point of that? It's Kenny Gainwell at no point has done anything that is like, we must have this guy on the field. At no point in terms of high leverage situations, it's just, and especially this year, I mean, there's only four running backs that have more fumbles than him. And is two of right? them are like, yeah, it's Raheem Mostert, Christian McCaffrey, Antonio Gibson. Right, all the who starters. Came, yeah, right. He's been suspended. Well, yeah. Not also bad. handles some returning duty for yeah. them. I don't know if he's fumbled on a return for sure. And then Eric Gray on the Giants, who is a returner. And, yeah, normally uh, that's, that's just like like they uh, you know they they bobble at first or hit the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kenny Gainwell was averaging three point oh yards per carry this season. Like it's so bad, dude. It's so bad. I I've already said enough. Uh, I don't. I just don't understand how you can keep using him in these situations Nick Sirianni had that line after the game and I know you wrote about this was like (laughs) yeah well just because you know Kenny Gainwell fumbles uh doesn't mean we're not we're not gonna stop trusting him you know we don't you know bench Jalen Hurts Hurts throw a couple of interceptions but we're gonna take him out AJ Brown has uh has a couple fumbles in a couple straight games last year we're gonna take him out (laughs) it's just it's so ridiculous it's so insane I, Which I get, like, like so, so he's come up with anything that he can, like he's being he's put on put on the spot, I guess, like in a post game press conference, and he's not going to bash a player. He's gonna he's you know he's gonna have the players back no matter who it is. Mm. But come on, man, <laughs> I think he can be a little bit more risk, realistic. He could have he because he'll be like you know Kenny wishes he could have had that one back. He could have said he could have acknowledged that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't give him any more carries, like I said. So it's not even actually true. Oh, is that, that right? Yeah, did, that, like, that, was, that was his first carry of the day. Yeah. So they didn't trust him after that, and they shouldn't have. He uh, did have a bunch of catches there. Like, right. know, and I think, actually, we mentioned earlier, like, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith 
they caught all of their targets, which I think mm-hmm. and Kenny did as well. I mean, these are all dump down passes, sure. so like, of course they're gonna. But again, that's fine. He can contribute yeah. in that yep. role, but he cannot, and he can also get an occasional carry in the middle of the field. And he'll bring a tackle like, here and there, the and like you know, get a first down. Like he, like yeah, he he can be a player to spell DeAndre Swift. You know, so his so Swift's carries don't get out of control this year. That that's what his role should be. The last thing I have on this, and I want to go back and look at this, I think the Eagles seem especially, what's the word, reticent? Is that reply, apply yeah. here? Or reluctant? Well, I'll see what the rest of the sentence is, but go ahead. To rotate backs in a given drive. They seem to really like, yeah, like this is a drive right. for this back, and we don't want to rotate them. But, like, you can't say that, but also want to keep the underships touches down. Like, you need to get a little bit, because I guess, you know, sometimes they don't want the defense to be able to sub, and I, I get it. But sometimes maybe it's just worth it to not – you can't – because you can't – the bottom line – I'm sorry I'm beating a, a dead horse here, but you cannot – but I can't, I, like, I can't believe I have to say this. I can't believe this has – like it feels like a joke. Well, I don't think anyone I is mean, against this. Uh, I, I think we, we have full agreement. I don't think people are passionately enough against this because it just keeps happening. Yeah. Anyway. Like I feel I like every player place. has some stands like, you know – Back in the day, Sam Bradford somehow had like a lot of people defending him. Any quarter, to, to any the bitter end. Any literally any quarterback has stands. I don't care who it is. Any quarterback. Kenny has find stands. It's hard to find. It's hard to find Kenny Gamewell stands at this point. Well, Jimmy, one person I will stand for is Kristen Roach of Roach <laughs> Realtors, voted by God as the number one realtor in the universe. What makes Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com so great? She's actually really sick right now. Um, oh, no. I went out to ShopRite this morning. I was loading up on like DayQuil, NyQuil. By the way, and I tweeted this earlier too, so my apologies if like uh, I'm, I'm repeating myself here. But when you buy like the DayQuil, NyQuil two-pack, why, is, why are they the same size? Like shouldn't you get – like the DayQuil should be like two or three times – bigger than the NyQuil because you're taking the DayQuil like two, three, four times mm. during the day and you're only taking the NyQuil before you go to bed. True. And like you wind up after you're done being sick, the DayQuil is gone and you're left with an entire bottle of NyQuil. Like, let's, mm. So if anyone knows any execs at whoever makes DayQuil and NyQuil, please pass that along as a no brainer to fix that. Anyway, I was loading her up with that, like the Airborne, the Ricola, like, you know, throat lozenges. I mean, she is banged up and, like, in bed, super mm. weak, coughing. Oh, no. Anyway, she gets a call, and then, boom, turns into, like, negotiator in half a heartbeat. <laughs> like, almost as if, like, She's she, a professional. It was crazy watching her, you know, be just be just basically dead. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden turn it on, and I was like, wow, that's impressive. But she knows her stuff. She, uh, you know, has been doing it with her with her mother actually, Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors and Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. They've been doing it for a very long time, like forty high forties in terms of the number of years the two of them com- combined have been, uh, you know, doing real estate, particularly in South Jersey. Um, so if you're looking to buy or sell your home, call Kristen eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon, back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, where there is some trade movement elsewhere in the league as we're recording this. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what you're talking Seahawks about. Seahawks okay. are finalizing a deal to acquire 
I was going to make something up, but I feel like <laughs> I shouldn't. Jannard Avery, no. Leonard Williams oh, from the Giants. Interesting. In exchange for a 2024 second round pick. What? And a 2025 fifth round pick. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. The Seahawks get Leonard Williams. Yeah. The Giants get a 2024 second Ugh. and a 2025 fifth. What are the Seahawks what are doing? They? That's a terrible trade for the Seahawks. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, well, maybe not a terrible trade for the Seahawks, but it's a great trade for the Giants. Yeah. Isn't he like a, a free agent after Highly overrated player, too, Leonard Williams. Uh, I don't he know. that one good year. I don't know if he's uh, whatever. I don't know if he's a free agent at the end of the year, but if he isn't, I know he's making a lot of he's making more money than he should be. Mm-hmm. Like they gave him a pretty bad contract, I think. And yeah, if well, they, they can, had to justify that trade for him. I bet you they have a huge cap hit for for that, which is why they. I mean, worth it though. Yeah, and honestly, oh, for a second round a, pick, absolutely shows yeah. they're thinking the right way too. I mean, who cares? Yeah, about they're the, done. The sellers. <laughs> they had ne- they had negative passing yards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> net, net passing, uh, I should say, uh, when you minus out sack lost, you know, yardage lost on sacks, negative passing yardage, net crazy against the Jets this past, you know, on Sunday. Uh, what is your next thing? Mm. Do you have anything? Yeah, I think I got another one in my in my. Uh, oh yeah, I guess I a lot of little things. Well, maybe maybe just sort of big picture. I mean, you mentioned the Giants, so why don't we talk, uh, and I'll kind of bring up the rest of the NFC here, 49ers lose, Cowboys won, um, so the Eagles have a nice little cushion uh, over the 49ers right now, 49ers now have three losses, three in a row, they're mm-hmm. five and three, Eagles are seven and one, so you got a nice two little two-game cushion uh, over San Francisco, who in my opinion are still the biggest threats to the Eagles in the NFC overall. Uh, they've been more impressive in their wins, I think, than the. I guess the Cowboys have had some blowout, nice blowout wins too, but normally against bad teams. But um, yeah, the Eagles are all by their lonesome now at seven and one in the NFL because the Chiefs lost too. They're now six and two. The Eagles are the only seven and one team in the NFL. Only one lost team in the NFL at all. Um, or I guess it's Detroit. No, Detroit lost has two losses too. Um, but now they have their gauntlet of opponents coming up. I mentioned this like on Twitter after the game and it seemed to be like a controversial thing to say, like, like the, the hard part of their schedules coming up. I didn't think that was like, I thought that was just a it's fact. Not a, it's <laughs> not a take. Yeah, basically, just... basically like a, maybe not a fact, but as close to one as you can get, I guess, because they have the Cowboys at home next Sunday. It's Cowboys week. We're going to have a whole Cowboys episode uh, coming up later in this week, but Cowboys in the bye at chiefs bills, 49ers at Cowboys at Seahawks. So all those teams heading into week eight were all in the top 10 in DVOA and some of them in the top five. That is, that's a brutal stretch. And it's a good thing for the Eagles that they have put nine wins in, you know, that column and only one loss uh, in advance of this, of, of this gauntlet of teams that they got to face now. And I think we're going to find out, you know, what kind of Super Bowl contender uh, the Eagles actually are over these next one, two, three, four, five, six games uh, before they kind of close out against the three easy opponents and the Giants, Cardinals, and the Giants again. But um, yeah, I think that this this ne- this next stretch is actually kind of a good thing for the Eagles in a way because mm-hmm. you know they'll they'll be sort of playoff tested by sure. this. Yeah, I mean, it's all basically all the best teams in the NFL that they're going to be facing uh, over these next six games. Um, 
Bengals I might throw in there now too because they're playing a lot better mm-hmm. than they're not on the schedule. But um, yeah, they have their work cut out for them. And it's going to be this. This is going to be the very fun stretch of the season to watch this team play. I will say it's important to contextualize the seven and one start. I mean, this is only I think the ninth time in franchise history that's happened. They've gone. They've won like. Won a Super Bowl when that's happened. They've gone to multiple Super Bowls, including last year. Sorry to remind you when that's happened. This is a special thing. And it also contextualizes that for all the problems they have, which they have real concerns, and you know, we criticize certain things, they are very good problems to have relative to the rest of the league. Like who which team wouldn't trade places with the Eagles right now? Maybe the, like you could say like the Ravens would feel really good about their spot outlook. They lost to Gardner Minshew and Kenny Pickett. Cowboys lost at a tell point loss to Josh Dobbs and Jonathan Gannon. And that's the Cardinals only win this year, by the way. Mm-hmm. And they also got destroyed by the same 49ers team that has since lost three games in a row. So, you know, every team has their issues is the point. Relatively, the Eagles have less issues than everyone else. They are about to be tested. Those teams that you mentioned, John Stillness has a good article about this on bleedinggreennation.com, specifically the 49ers and Cowboys. There's some tough stretches coming up, too. It's not just like the Eagles are alone in this and everyone else gets like a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. And those teams have to play the Eagles. No one of the, None of those teams are looking at the Eagles like, great, this is awesome. Or at least <laughs> right. they shouldn't be. Also true. Because yeah. the Eagles do not lose games a lot. Um, <laughs> right. Especially with Dylan Hurts as their quarterback. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is going to be – it's not going to be a, a cakewalk at all. It's going to be a tough stretch. I think the Eagles can go 4-2. and two, And – I think anyone would sign up for that. I think right? people would as sign as, up for four and two. And then, as, you, and then like you have the giants, Cardinals giants at the end of the year, yes, like I just mentioned. Exactly. So you expect to beat all three of those teams and you finish 14 and three. Like anyone, I think anyone, anyone would sign up for that and half a heart. If you finish 14 and three, by the way, you're, yeah. you're going to you get the one year. seed. Like you're, you're definitely going to have the one seed. Assuming, you Depending know, one, on the, at least one, if, if one of those wins is against the Cowboys, you're going to right, definitely have the, the one thing. seed. You can't you can't go zero and two against the Cowboys. Yeah. Obviously, that would be a big problem. Um, I mean, even if so, let's just look at the first game. And obviously, we're not going to get into it right now because we'll get into it more in terms of the specific matchups. But like beating the Cowboys here is, I think it's almost it's tough to say must win, but it's it's a big deal to be able to go up eight and one and put them at five and three going into the bye. That's like, like a nice cushion to have going into this stretch, as opposed to. You lose, you're seven and two. The Cowboys are six and two. The Cowboys then during the Eagles bye get to play the Giants, who they always beat, and could soon be seven and two with the tiebreaker at least temporarily over the Eagles. So it's a big game. Huge game, obviously, this weekend. And I feel like you have and you have to win one of the two. Why not win the one at home? So uh really big stretch coming up. Why don't we but... why don't we each pick a player from either team hmm. who could provide bulletin board material this week? For the Eagles and the Cowboys, Eagles and Cowboys. Well, you want to do that in the preview show? Yeah, we'll do the preview show. Well, we'll but it might happen. It might happen already by then. Hmm. Well, we have a lot to get to still. Okay. Who do you? Well, who do you have in mind? I, Why don't you say it? I don't have anyone in mind. I didn't have anyone in I mean, mind either. But uh... Demarcus, Lawrence, it can't be Demarcus Lawrence. He doesn't count because he literally <laughs> always just says something. Like that, yeah. That's not any kind of bold prediction at all. I'll go and Mike, with Mike uh... Parsons. Kind of talks too. I'll go with Nick Sirianni. Yeah, he's done Uh-oh. it before. I know. I would think. I would hope he learned from that. I think. Uh, hmm. 
I did say I player, though, so I don't know if that counts. Yeah, you're breaking your own rule here. Yeah. I have a couple more things I want to get to from Sure, the game. of course, yep. Uh, quick hitters, Julio, Julio Jones, first touchdown with the Eagles. It was really cool to see how his teammates really like love it's really, it's, awesome. it's a cool thing yeah that for the fans too like julio jones scored a touchdown for your team even though he's on the back end of his career it shows that he can still contribute a little bit and uh it's just fun to see and also it's a funny great play it's <laughs> a great catch that he made for a guy who you know you look at his touchdown numbers over his career as i mentioned he hasn't been like a great red zone player but apparently the eagles see a role for him there so he was the primary uh, on that on that uh on that progression too, yes. as you mentioned, like earlier in the episode, Hertz got it out immediately. And, Very quick. Yeah, you know, I asked him after the game, like, were you, are you, were you the primary on that? And he said, yeah. So yeah. it's a play it that they be. repped a lot during the week, and then they went to it in a big spot, which means they plan on using him this year. And it's, he's not just the guy who's just gonna, you know, be there and you know fills fill mm-hmm. snaps. They're gonna go to him. They're gonna design plays for him and they're going to call him in games because they just did it uh and you know against the divisional opponent so um yeah he's not just along for the ride uh Devontae Smith had his biggest game since that week two explosion against the Vikings almost he was one yard shy of 100 obviously benefited from that blown coverage at one point but you know happens took advantage of it and also had the onside kick recovery. So that's important, too, at the end of the game. And I thought he made a nice, like, hands catch on that, too. Yep. So uh, good to see him getting off the schneid a little bit after quieter little stretch there. I'm uh, looking at else in the wrist. Jalen Carter is dealing with a back injury. Eagles really need him to be healthy, especially out of the stretch. Like, they need him. So yeah, according to Jeff really McClain, he's getting an MRI today to see. Because uh, he left and didn't return. And, of course, Jordan Davis didn't practice on Friday. He played, uh, mm-hmm. only played 17 snaps. Um, so we'll see where each of those two guys are health-wise uh, throughout this week, heading, you know, heading into the Stiles game. But you're right. They, they need him. They need him to be good to go. Uh, special teams trio here. Jake Elliott hit a 51-yarder. Yep. He has not missed a kick since that Jets miss, which was obviously a really bad miss. But I think there is something to be said for not letting it snowball into, you know, you get the yips all of a sudden. He's yeah, it's not who that he behind is. him. And I think that's not shocking to see, but still worth acknowledging. Mm-hmm. Britton Covey had a 25-yard return. It could have been longer if Nolan Smith didn't tackle <laughs> yes. him. And that puts Britton Covey tied with the NFL lead in returns of at least 25 yards. And that set up the Eagles' touchdown drive that tied the game, I believe. At 17-17? I think so. It was after that Reddick sack. So like they, and that's happened a number of times this year, specifically where Covey's had a big return and that set the offense up with good field position and they've taken advantage of it. So like he's, he's really like aiding the offense in those situations. And then I had Braden man, he'd punts of 58 and 59 yards. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I and know one of them had, the, a, one of them was a touchback. The 59 yard was a touchback, but that had a chance. Like if there was, yes. if the gunners did a better job getting down there. They had a chance yep. to pin that deep. And yep. uh, so that wasn't his fault that that was a touchback in my I opinion. Agree. Uh, but even if it was a touchback, it's still net of 39, which isn't bad. Yeah. But he has a leg, whereas Sipos and uh, Zentner did not. Like, so, like, you know, the punt runs, the, the guys that, like, do all the punter analysis, they put out a chart of uh, punter EPA uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> heading into this week. And man was actually, like, it was right around average. 
Yeah, that's fine. The 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 actually not even the two. The three lowest guys in EPO in in the league. I think Zentner was last, and then Sipos was second to last from his time with the Eagles this year. And then third to last was Brad Wing, who was a, who was a punter for the Eagles for a short time. I don't think in real games, but during training camp one year. Um, it was Chip's first year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think Braden Mann's actually been pretty good and since he had, like the first punter, too, in the first game that he played. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he got off to maybe a little bit of a shaky start, but he's been solid since then. Uh, Sipos, the highest average that he ever had in the game was 52 yards. I mean, Braden Mann just had 58.5. So, boom. One thing I'll say about uh, Covey, the... too. Um, he yes. said after the game, like, he watches every punt in the NFL that happened that week. Everyone. Wow. It, he said it takes about three hours uh, each week to do that. So, he's a guy that, you know, he knows what his role is on this team. Mm-hmm. He's the punt returner, and he's the fifth receiver. And I, I think it's nice to see a guy take his role that seriously to, you know, take the time to, I don't think, you know, how many other punt returners do you think in the league are doing that? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that speaks to the kind of player and, and uh, locker room guy that he is. Also the backup holder, you know, doing like the, the dirty work there yep. in case of an emergency. So boom. Uh, and the last thing I had is Eli Ricks, who has, you know, been involved rotating in, in the slot there. And, I thought he had a really underrated play in this game. I'll start out first by noting that, you know, he got flagged for pass interference that extended uh, a drive. I think it was the commander's first drive. Um, but then later that drive, he had a nice TFL in open space on a bubble screen, which mm-hmm. forced the commanders to punt the ball. So that was really good. And But then big play that I thought was underrated because he doesn't even officially get credited with the tackle on the play is when Logan Thomas makes a catch short of the oh, sticks. Oh, yeah, he had a big hit. And, and he comes uh, flying yeah, in yeah. where like a lot of players there might absorb the tackle or might not put enough of an impact on the offensive right. player. And he falls where the offensive forward. Players, yeah. Yep, falls forward. Instead, Lomitic Thomas gets knocked back. And then I think it was like N'Kobe Co- Dean. Couple other, two, two other guys cleaned up that tackle and he and got no further else. yardage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But like that set up fourth and one. And that was where. Howell threw it call and almost got picked play. sixth by James Bradley. Like that was a, that's a huge play. Forced yeah. a turnover on downs ultimately. And that was a point in the game too, where the commanders were up 14 to three. They were driving. They were very close to field goal range there. They went for it as they should have, and they didn't get it. The Eagles get a turnover on downs and they go and score a touchdown to make it 10 to 14. So they cut that lead there. Like that's a huge, that's a good call. That by a, you. A very like underrated play, play, play in that game. Lives, yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, I thought like he didn't get enough. I'm not seeing a lot of like Eli Ricks credit after the game, but I think that was a he's a rookie playing in the slot, like after mostly playing on the outside. That's that's a huge underrated play. I thought that was really crucial. That's a guy that outweighs him by like 80 pounds. <laughs> so, like, so yeah, you, you like his uh, you you like his his toughness uh, on that play as well. Yep. Okay, uh, that's all I have. Any final thoughts for you, Jimmy? Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with. Um... Didn't you rank your Halloween candies? No, I ranked the candies that they had in the press box. That was a travesty of a ranking. We <laughs> disagree on candy, clearly. I was so offended. Yeah, I got some Sour heat. Patch Kids second to last. Why do, <laughs> what do you have against Sour Patch Kids? Nothing. I like Sour Patch Kids. I just like the other ones that they had there better. Mm. I like a Sour Patch Kid, but... They're fantastic. The only candy that I don't, that I wouldn't eat 
was I think the Hershey's with almonds, and that was below the Sour Patch Kids, of course. I agree. Who I this so we agree on that one. Whoever was like eating a Hershey's bar and was like, you know what, this is missing. <laughs> like who was who was saying this needs an almond in here. <laughs> Also, um, whoever just whoever made mounds or almond joy, wow! I know the coconut people get offended by that. Like I one time, yeah, so I'm not a coconut guy. I I, I besmirched the good name of Samo, uh, Samoas. Is that what they are? Samos, I do like those. Samosas, that, Samoas. I don't know. With the Girl Scout cookies, caramel delights. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Either way, I think the the I will say in defense of those, as I've mentioned before. The caramels are sorry. The coconut I think is very minimal in those. It's yeah. not like coconut forward. It's like a tiny layer. It shouldn't be there. Who needs it? It doesn't need to be there. I agree, but it's so minimal that I don't really care about it because the other good parts outweigh that. Denise Selman just does not let that go. With uh, he brings that up to me, uh, you know, a lot. <laughs> I think I think the texture of those are fantastic because you kind of get the chew from the caramel at the top. But then you get the satisfying, like, you know, crunch of the cookie. So I like the textural contrast there. I think that's a unique thing. What is your top movie candy? If you were going to a movie, what would you get? Well, my top candy is uh, Skittles, but more specifically the purple bag. It's like the Mm. wild berry. Okay. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Those are, that's my favorite candy ever. So probably those. I don't know if that's a great uh movie theater candy though you know I, you know what i like i like the little pouch that you can get of like the mm-hmm. mini kit kats oh so it's like uh you can just snack on kit kats they're smaller kit kats basically and they mm-hmm. come in like a little ziploc pouch that they have now uh interesting I've, i took i've taken my daughter to the movies uh, a few times over the last year or so and i have been getting those and bringing them you know hide them and bring them in with me <laughs> okay you um yeah i mean i i would typically just do popcorn and a soda i usually don't drink soda like in general yeah but for the movies i only go to the movies probably like i don't know three or four times a year so it's kind of like a treat i make an exception at that point and i specifically have a just like a very strong desire for a cherry coke okay and you know it's fun because you go to the movies now you have like the coke machine you can make also any like flavor you want um but yeah, typically popcorn and soda. But if I did get a candy, it would either be Sour Patch Kids because I love them. Okay. Probably my favorite. But uh, if I was not feeling the fruity and I was feeling the chocolatey, bunch, I think Bunch of Crunch is, is in general too is an elite movie snack movie or candy. Okay. Satisfying. Okay. Uh, that does it for this week of B. This week's recap episode of BGN Radio. Of course, we will have our Cowboys preview show later this week for you in addition jimmy not one but two episodes of the nfc east mixtape this week me and rj ochoa obviously have to really talk about this matchup a lot so in addition to our normal tuesday record which will be posted probably on wednesday I believe we're planning to do a live episode on YouTube. So subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel, not only for that, but for all the other great stuff we have going up on there. Uh, So that'll be really fun to talk with RJ. Want to give a shout out to Johnny Page, who's been doing more podcasting recently. Started a podcast here on the Bleeding Green uh, Nation network called 
on the Shane page. It's a little pun there, Jimmy, with Shane Half okay. and Johnny Page working together, doing a lot of like of the kind of the Kiston Solak X and O yeah. breakdown film review stuff. Johnny obviously does those great breakdowns for us on bleedinggreennation.com and then Shane does some stuff on the video side on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. So I want to give a shout out to that and uh check out all our sponsors. Information is in the podcast episode description. So I'll save you the spiel here and you can just go check it out there. And uh you can read my work, bleedinggreennation.com, Jimmy Kempsey's work, Phillyvoice.com. We will be back with you. Well, if there's a big trade that is worth an emergency pod I suppose we'll find a way to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll talk to you for Eagles Cowboys preview later this week. Goodbye, everybody. P G N.